Welcome to this week's Eye of the Swarm podcast, your deep dive into all the happenings involved with the Yellow Jacket Athletics. Our engineer here is Elliot Swear. He's the big sound, Matt Johnson, the birthday boy. Happy birthday to you, Matthew. Thank you. I'm John Garver, and uh, the week that was in Yellow Jacket Athletics didn't seem like it was a week that was because there wasn't a lot happening on home soil, but... Holy moly, there was a lot of stuff that happened oh, man, last yeah. week. <laughs> and putting this, these notes together this morning, I got up. I was probably looking at them by about 7 o'clock this morning. I started trying to compile this stuff. And there are notes from eight different teams that we got to get through here. Yeah, there was, uh, so. <laughs> you've got your fall sports that are kind of winding down and into their conference tournaments or conference championships. And you've got your winter sports that are ramping up, exhibition games, some open regular season. So a lot of, a lot of things going on yeah, here in the world of Yellow Jacket sports. There's no lack of action and, and competitions here to go over. And so bear with us. There's so going to be a lot to go through. Grab but. a supersized <laughs> cup of coffee, maybe a double bowl of oatmeal, and let's, yeah, let's talk. Let's, let's, yeah, let's <laughs> jump right into it because, like you said, everybody's into the uh, respective postseasons now. Uh, if you listened on the radio last night, as we record this on a Tuesday, on Monday night, you know that the uh, women's volleyball team is already in the throes of the UMAC tournament. Um, and we got a couple more teams that will be in UMAC uh, tournament action this week as well, and we'll talk more about, about well, that as we go. But let, Let's start with volleyball then. You, right. you called it. Let's start I there. The, uh, uh, the Yellow Jackets. Uh, they were the busiest team last was, week. Wasn't quite the... Last night's match wasn't quite the snappy 71-minute performance that we saw against Bethany Lutheran the first time, but all in all, still pretty snappy. Yeah, it was very quick, and statistically it was better right. than the first match they played against them. They which, played really well last they night. They played really well. It was probably the best match I've seen them play this year. I thought they played well against St. Scholastica. We talked about that, but last night they really, on all phases, were pretty much clicking on all cylinders and really took the match away from Bethany basically from the start. There really wasn't any point of the match where there was an extended lull. Little bit maybe in the third set, but boy, other than that, it was it was very much straightforward and it was almost business like. I mean, they they really took apart that Bethany team last night. So congratulations to Coach Lynn Diedrich. They actually played since we last spoke on this podcast. They've played five matches. They were the busiest team of everybody last week. Uh, they played, like I said, those four tournament matches down at the Warrior Invitational, hosted by uh, Wisconsin Lutheran down in West Allis, and then they came home, of course. And one day after they got back. They hosted Bethany Lutheran. We'll talk more about that match in depth in here in just one second. But UWS went three and two last week in those five matches. Went two and two at the Warrior Invitational, and some of those matches were a long haul. So we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna uh, take a little bit of time here to dissect. Not some afraid of, this. of five sets. No, not at all. <laughs> not at all. Uh, went two and two. Like I said, the tournament was uh, hosted by Wisconsin Lutheran. Um, in their first match of that particular competition, Maranatha Baptist, the first of three five-set matches in that tournament alone. Yellow Jackets losing 3-2, to 23-25, 25-19, 26-24, 19-25, and 13-15. So all the way down to the very bitter end in that one against Maranatha Baptist. EWS hit 154 for the match, while Maranatha hit 146. Cami Sleda, 13 kills. Bradley Colligan, 13 kills, 21 digs. Gina Barch, 25 assists, 15 digs. Megan Holes, 17 assists. And Yana Carrera continuing her solid play with 12 digs. So the Yellow Jackets lost the opener in five. And so what do you want to do? You want to try to come back that night, right, and try to even your ledger for the tournament? Yes. Might as well go five with Beloit, too. Why not? <laughs> yeah, let's do it. <laughs> Went five with Beloit, but come out on the winning side of things this time. Defeating the Buccaneers, one of the great names. I don't know. if is The women's teams, are, are they the Buccaneers on the women's side? I don't even know if they are. That's a great question. I, I do not have an answer for you. Because I know their men's teams are the Buccaneers, but right. I don't know if their women are. I don't, it was a, can you have a, a female why, Buccaneer? Why, why can't you? 
But I mean, is there a different term for it? I don't know. Are you you're going down the lumberjack lumberjill road? Up yeah, I, you know, yeah. Is there something else? I'll like Mr. Garber's going to look that up here while I talk about that match. Yes, by the go way. ahead and talk. Uh, they defeated Beloit 25 19, 22 25, 25 12, 26 28, and 15 9. UWS. They played well offensively, hit 268 as a team for that match, while Beloit hit 80 points below that at 188. Cammy Sledd on 19 kills. Hannah Gogolai, who had a really, really good week, by the way. 10 kills. Megan Holes, 20 assists, 11 digs. Dina Barch, 27 assists, 10 digs. And Yana Carrera had 20 digs, while Bradley Colligan also added 18 more digs for the Yellow Jackets. So they were 1-1 one one after day one of that tournament. Then the it next... appears they all are Buccaneers. Oh, they all are Buccaneers. Yes. Okay. Well, and. Question answered. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you, Google. And then the, yeah, uh, copyright. <laughs> yeah. We copyright infringement. Thing. Here comes the cease and desist order yeah, from cease Google and right now. Mentioning Google online. <laughs> uh, then the next day they played the host Wisconsin Lutheran. And guess what? Went five sets again. This time lost again. If you're going to go that far, you might as well get your money's worth. Right? Yeah, this one was a little bit more rough. They won the first two sets by identical 25-22 scores, but then dropped three straight. 23-25, 17-25, and 10-15. To lose to Wisconsin Lutheran. That's a rough way to go. That is. I mean, whenever you... I would think that's really demoralizing when you when the, you go up 2-0. And it doesn't happen real often. No. Yeah. But sometimes I mean, that snowball just starts rolling down the hill and you just can't stop it. Yeah. And that's... that's I've seen that happen a couple times. I, I actually... A, a game that I did over in Duluth, UMD, had that happen to them in a match against Northern State. In that case, that was a top 10 matchup nationally. And so it was a little bit more even disheartening <laughs> for the Bulldogs. But uh, yeah, it's it's those, those are tough to come back from. But they were able to do so, and we'll talk more about that in a second here. As for that match against Wisconsin Lutheran, the Jackets hit 149, while the Warriors hit 162. So pretty even in terms of the attack efficiency numbers both ways. Cammy Sled of 14 kills. Hannah Gogolai, 13 more kills. Lexi Olchin, the freshman, 10 kills for her. Gina Barch, 26 assists. Megan Holes, 19 assists. Yana Carrera, what did she pile up the digs in this one? 36 of them. Bradley Colligan had 16, and Haley Atwood had 12 more. But the Old Jackets... Closed out on a winning note, thankfully, defeating Concordia Chicago in a four-set match. Didn't go five, just went four. There was time to go home. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was huh, enough of these five-set things. Yeah, Let's get on the road. Home. Let's go. Let's just play four. 25-13, 23-25, 25-23, 25-20. The set scores on that one. Yellow Jackets hitting 196 for the match while Concordia hit 141. Cami Sleta, 19 kills, hit 303 for the match. That's pretty good. Not bad. Yeah, not bad at all. Gina Barch, 32 assists. Megan Holes, 13 more assists. And Yana Carrera closed out that tournament with 16 digs. And that fast-forwards us to what happened last night when the Yellow Jackets really took care of business against the Vikings in the opening round of the UMAC tournament. That was a number four and five seed matchup. The winner now, being the Yellow Jackets, is on the road Tomorrow we'll talk more about that in the final segment here. Yellow Jackets in that first round match against Bethany Lutheran, defeating the Vikings 25-19, 25-12, and 25-18. Pretty neat and tidy. Very. Yeah. I mean, what did you? Th- I thought they played really well. I thought they played really well. Um, yeah. You know, it seemed like early in the third set they might have taken their foot off the gas a little bit. As I, I, I remember, I think it was 10-8 or 12-10 in there they were trailing. And then they had the the long run that that kind of blew that thing open, and right, he, yeah, you know, Megan okay, Holes came in. And there's yeah, and there's there's no way that the Vikings are going to come back on this. So, no. it yeah, I thought that was one of the the best home matches they played all year. Yeah, I was at at all of their home matches this year, 
And I thought this was one of the best, if not the best, performance that they put on on the home court all that year. That second set was amazing. Yeah, they it really had was. 16 kills, no errors, and they hit over 500 as a team yeah. in that set, yep. which was incredible to watch. Right. I, I, like, I mean, I hadn't seen them. I don't think in the games that I've ever done, either online or on the radio, when I've been broadcasting this team, and it's been a few years, I don't think I've ever seen them hit over 500 for a set. Right. So that was really impressive. Uh, they hit 340 for the match at the Yellow Jackets. That's got to be pretty close to a season high. It's got to be right up there. Yeah, I think that that might be. Yeah, and Bethy Lutheran hit 148. Cami Sleda, 15 kills, hit 522 herself. But the real story was Hannah Gogolai again. 12 kills, she hit over 600. Wow. She had 12 kills and 17 swings, and I think she had one error Wow. in the match. Hit 647 for the contest. Megan Holes had a double-double, 17 assists, 10 digs. Gina Barge, 20 assists. Briley Colligan, 15 digs. And Yana Carrera. Closing out the home portion of 2019 with 14 digs as well. So it was really impressive, and it gives them a little momentum heading into that game on Wednesday. But uh, yeah. good way for them to go out, and nice to also see the two seniors, Bradley Colligan and A.J. Runk, go out with victories in their last home matches as Yellow Jackets. Right. That's kind of a neat deal. So. Absolutely. So, yeah, they played five matches last week. They were the busiest team. Uh, I'd say. Yeah, they, they weren't by – by no means were they the only busy team, but no, they yeah. weren't the only ones. But yeah, that's a that's a lot to to go on this week. Yeah, so that was volleyball, <laughs> and good luck to them tomorrow night. Meanwhile, men's soccer closing out the regular season. They were pretty actually a little bit less busy than they have been, but they posted a pretty darn good result mm-hmm. with the one game that they did play. We'll talk about that in just one second. Jackets fourteen and three and two now overall. And, of course, they're the number one seed coming up for the UMAC tournament. They're ranked number seven still in the United Soccer Coaches North Region Top Ten poll. I think that's been three weeks in a row now. Yeah, they, you know, I think they're pretty much where they're going to be yeah. at this point in there because they they were up to five, I think. Yeah, they went up to four at, or five at one at point. At one point, and yeah, then they and dropped then they to eight, eight, and then, and then, then back they came up to back seven, seven and, and now they've kind of locked pretty in much, there. I think it, yeah. everybody's pretty much locked in where they're going to be. Yep. Uh, the Yellow Jackets have won seven in a row now. Nice win though. This Very was nice a win. Way to, nice way to end the regular season. Shut out Bethel three to nothing in non-conference action, and sa- on Saturday in Arden Hills, Minnesota. That was a game that was rescheduled from the beginning of the year. Yep. So the Jackets kind of fitting that one in just before the start of the UMAC tournament. UWS scoring once and in the first half and twice in the second half. Danny Kearns, one of the senior captains on this Jacket team, scored his third goal of the season unassisted at thirteen fifty one. That made it. One nothing. I don't know. Did you see the highlight on that goal? I did. He, he ran like 80 yards. <laughs> he did. And then he curled it inside. <laughs> then the, he cut to the middle. Then he cut to the middle, and he curled it inside the upper 90 corner. Yep. So it was a beauty. It was a dandy goal. It was a dandy goal for Kearns. His third goal of the season to make it one nothing. Blake Doye then came back in the second half, early stages, 20, 23 seconds into the second half, scoring his sixth goal of the season off an assist from Miguel Ocampo to make it 2 nothing. And then Galen Coy, the freshman with his second goal of the campaign, Unassisted at 88-12 to make the final 3-0. Jackets held a 13-9 edge in total shots. 8-2 in shots on goal. Ulrich Lager and Dalton Van Cano split time and goal. Lager played the first 45 minutes, made two stops, and then Van Cano came in and had nothing to do for the last 45 minutes. Didn't have to stop a shot. The Jackets, nice win over the Royals, though, at 3-0, and sets them up for a nice run in the UMass tournament. We've we've said it before on on the podcast, Matt, that pretty much any win you pick up against a a Mayak school is a good win. Yeah. And, And Joe's had... A few really nice wins against yeah. the Mayak this year. Oh, yeah. I mean, in non-conference, 6-3-2, and two, and they've played a tough schedule. They have. Really tough schedule. They really have. So, it's yeah, he's they've done all the right things to set themselves up for what could be a really nice postseason run. Yep, very, very nice. Women's soccer, meanwhile, 7-10-2 now overall. They, of course, the number three seed in the UMAC tournament. We'll talk more about that in a second. They lost two of three matches last week. Lost to St. Scholastica 4-0 in the bridge battle. 
over in Duluth. All four of those goals, by the way, by the Saints. Second half. Second half goals, yeah. It was scoreless at halftime. Yep. Yellow Jackets came back to defeat North Central 4-3 to in non-conference action. High-scoring contest. That was. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it wasn't the first time they'd seen North Central. Nope. And you just kind of you felt like – part of me felt like, okay, they're going to blow this team out. The other part of me felt Waller might be a little bit of a letdown after the Saints-Scholastica match. Yeah, there wasn't a lot of turnaround time. It was late. It was cold. It was Halloween raining. Night. It was yeah. Halloween. It was just there, – there weren't the ingredients there for a blowout the more right. you thought about it. But it was an entertaining match. Went up and down, scored a lot of goals. They, yeah, there were. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, North Central had scored six goals coming into that match, I think. Yeah, for the entire three. year. They scored three, and they were all really nice. Really good Really goal. nice goals that they scored. So it was well, good uh, for them. It ended up yeah. being, I think, a much better win for Coach DeGroat's team than, than people initially thought it was going to be, if that makes sense. Well, that makes sense. And then uh, in that last game of the last week, they lost in overtime to Martin Luther, one nothing. That was another makeup game. That game, of course, was the infamous now game two of the two-game doubleheader down in Martin Luther where the field became very unplayable. Very the men's unplayable. Match. They decided to uh, play out the men's match, but some of the stories that uh, Coach Mooney was telling me yeah. about the conditions on the field were just kind of made your hair stand up on the back of your neck. Right. Um, and uh, so they made that one up on Saturday, and the Jackets unfortunately lost on a goal in the 97th minute. We'll talk about that in a second here as well, but uh, – Going back to that game against Saints Scholastica, Saints, like I said, scored all their goals in the second half. UWS was led by Madison Gutekunst. She had nine stops in goal for the Yellow Jackets, so Saints Scholastica takes the bridge battle for 2019. Against North Central, that 4-3 game, Halloween night, UWS scored three of their goals in the first half. Kaylee Johnson with her first goal of the season. She started it off. Off an assist from Anna Schusman. That goal came at 15-08. Then Schusman added her ninth goal of the campaign from Johnson, so they went back and forth, Mm -hmm. the two of them connecting. On the first two goals, she's been scoring her ninth goal of the season, 248 later, 1756, to make it the second for the Yellow Jackets. Olivia Gaffney with her second goal of the season. Good to see her get back on the scoreboard. She's been a little bit banged up this year. Didn't play as much as I know Coach LeGroy had hoped she would. But she nets her second goal of the season from freshman Erica Quick at 39-12. Yellow Jackets' third goal. And then Ivy Grahowski with the game tied in the last 10 minutes, scoring the game winner, her first career goal. Former Denfeld Hunter getting on the score sheet for the Yellow Jackets with yep. her first goal and a game winner on boot from Tatum Laranoids at 81.05 to make the final 4-3 in that contest. And the Jackets held a 26-11 edge in shots in that contest. Madison Gutekun, six stops. And then as for the game at Martin Luther on Saturday, lost in overtime again. Knights scoring the only goal at 96-48. Lydia Bitter scoring it. It was her sixth goal of the season. Martin Luther held a 19-4 edge in total shots. 11-3 in shots on goal. Madison Gutekun's had 10 stops. And now it's off to tournament action for them as well. Again, they'll be on the road tomorrow. And we'll talk more about that later on in the podcast. But, uh, yeah, busy end of the uh, regular season for them. And then it's off, like I said, to the UMAC tournament. Right. So that's where all of the soccer and volleyball teams are at. But uh, cross country, they had a very, very busy last weekend. <laughs> that was a cold one, too. Yeah, I, well, that was cold. you were involved in it. So how bad was it out there? It was chilly. Was it? Okay. It was chilly. Yep. It was It was the wind just really made things difficult <laughs> the fingers got numb quickly out there yeah setting up equipment and everything well i'm that guessing way. that the uh wind chills out there had to have been in the 20s yeah 20s, I, w- I, w- I think that's a safe that's a pretty safe assessment yeah yeah okay that's what that's what i would have guessed yeah. i didn't know for sure no i think that's safe uh men finished second at the umac championships that were hosted right down the road at namaji 
Yellow Jackets second to St. Scholastica. The Yellow Jacket men finishing with 69 points in the UMAC championships this year. St. Scholastica was the team champ. Boy, did they run away with things. 19 points for them. Jackets were 50 points back at 69. Give you an idea how much St. Scholastica dominated the well, field. Well, when you got a field that finishes 1-2-3 like they did, that's, yeah. that's difficult. And six of the overall top ten yep. were Saints runners, so congratulations and to them. And only five of them score. So yeah, you're so, only scoring your top five yeah, there. Exactly. How crazy is that? Yeah. I mean, you have a sixth guy in the top ten, and he didn't even get any points. Yeah, he didn't count for your team total at all, so uh, that, that was impressive. The Saints' Easton Foss was the individual champion, by the way. He ran the 8K course in 26-32.1. Jackets had... A fifth-place finish, a ninth-place finish, and a 15th-place finish. We'll talk about that in a second here. But, yeah, Saints, Glasgow, how about them? Wow. Six of the top ten finishers were Saints. Very impressive. Very impressive. Derek Moe led the way for the Jackets. He placed fifth overall at 27-31. Then it was Eddie Carlson in ninth place at 28-01.1. And then Tyler Finger finished in 15th for the Jackets, 28-19.2. And all three of those guys were named all-conference all, as a result all of those performances. Because of those finishes, yep. yep. Moe was first team. Well, Carlson and Finger both finished in second team yep. on the all-conference list. So congratulations to all three of those guys. Indeed. Meanwhile, the women were third at the UMAC championships. UWS finishing with 86 points. This one was a little bit tighter. St. Scholastica won it with 52 points, but there was a little bit of a spread. Like I mean, it was the, the point spreads were a little bit closer. Right. U, U of M Morris's McKenna Langerud was the individual champion. She's just a freshman. Freshman, really. yeah. So keep an eye on her. Yeah, she ran a really good race. She ran the 6K course in 2359.8. To claim the individual crown jackets, pack running. Indeed. <laughs> 14, 15, um, 13, 14, 15. 15 yep. yeah. Haruka Hamanaka was the 13th place finisher for the jackets, 25, 16.8. Roz Larson, 14th at 25, 35.9. And then Nicole Koski finished in 15th at 25, 38. And as a result of those performances, all three of them made the second team yep. all conference. So congratulations to all three of those runners as well. But yeah, that was big time pack running. But I think that was something that Coach Drexler had kind of – he wants them to do that. Yeah, he talked about that when we had him on the show here. That yeah. He, you know, he wants his athletes to run that so run that particular way in certain events. And the women did a lot this year. They did. Yeah, they did it almost exclusively, I think. They yep. ran in packs. So uh, congratulations again to all six of those runners, the three guys and the three girls that were all named all-conference. They're, of course, idle this coming week, but uh, they'll be heading down to Wartburg for the second time this year. They'll be – on November 16th, that Saturday, at the NCAA Division III Regional Champions Championships, excuse me, hosted by Wartburg College at the Wartburg Cross Country Course in Waverly, Iowa. Men's race at 11 a.m., women at 12 p.m. Mm-hmm. So the second time, maybe that'll give them a little bit of an advantage to know the course a little bit better. I'm Possibly. that they'll use the same course, probably the same. I don't know if they use no, the same I, route, though. I believe it's the same course. Yeah, the exact same route? Yeah. Okay. Could be. Could be. Very, very much could be. Um... And uh, now we move on to women's hockey. Actually, winter sports. Yeah, the winter sports. Let's get going with those. Women's hockey f- played their first two actual games of 2019-20. I know you did the game, I think, on Friday, right? Friday night was broadcast live, yes. Yeah, so nice to get back into the uh, game broadcast uh, box of things. There, there, was, there was. There was some rust to knock off, but, yeah, there you know, always is. I'm no different than the players. They're, you're a little rusty. And right. You know, you, you tend to forget a few things here and there, but it comes back pretty quickly. Right, yeah. So up Concordia, Wisconsin in their first two games. Both those games played, of course, at Westman Arena. Yellow Jackets winning the opener 3-1 to one against the Falcons on Friday. You know, WBS scored once in each period. C.C. Hayes opened up the season for the Yellow Jackets, scoring at the 1913 mark of period number one. Assist from Ashley Schintz and Chessa, Tessa Jordy. 
And it was Megan Dulong scoring her first goal of the season from Hayes and Jenna Curse of 520. That was in the second period. And then Kaylee Martinson, first goal of the season from Amber Heidenreich and Amanda Sargent. 31 seconds into the third, Jackets ended up carrying the play the rest of the way for the most part and ended up winning at 3-1. UWS held a 42-24 edge in shots. Catherine Johnson, one save away from the shutout, she ended up with 23 stops. That happened to her twice last weekend. Yeah, yeah, because in the second game, as I try to get my notes all put together here, I've got so many notes here, it's hard <laughs> to keep up with everything that's going on here. The second game, I mean, they, they came out on Saturday and popped two in the first minute and a half. Yeah, they really did. You know, so if you weren't, weren't paying attention or if you're looking at your phone or if you're waiting for the popcorn to get done at the concession or whatever, you missed. Yeah two goals back-to-back really quickly. Yeah, first 136. We'll talk about that in a second. Jackets winning the second game 5-1 to one on Saturday. UWS scored three times in the first period and once each in the second and third periods, but early barrage to say the least. And that was all the Jackets really needed in that contest. Cassie McClure getting her first goal as a yellow jacket. Offering assist from Dulong just 32 seconds into the opening period, and then it was Ashley Shintz with her first goal as a jacket as well. Off assist from Hayes and Micah Sutherland at 136 to make it 2 nothing. Chessa Jordy Made it a three-goal first period for the Yellow Jackets. Her first tally of the year from McClure and Jenna Bufflin at 14:47, And from there, the Jackets pretty much cruised. Added additional tallies from Kaylee Martinson. Second goal of the campaign from Bufflin and Jamie Davidson at 15:15 of the second. And then Hayes closing it out with her second of the campaign from Shintz and Molly Shelton at 10:37. UWS holding a 39-23 edge in shots. Catherine Johnson, again, one save away from another shutout, 22 stops. And so a 2-0 start, although things get a lot more difficult this week. We'll talk more about that in a second, too. Just a little bit. <laughs> yeah, just a little just bit. Just a little bit. <laughs> just a little bit. But were you pretty happy with what you saw from the, from the ladies? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I, I, I think so. I, they, uh, You've got a lot of veterans there. Yeah. And you had a team that a year ago had a lot of growing pains. There was a lot of youth there. And these these early games that they played a year ago – I think they had two or three that were two one losses. Yeah, you know they they started something like one and five maybe. Yeah, and lost a bunch of one goal games, and it was just a a difficult start to a season where they never really got on track. No. after yeah. after the way those early games went, um, they lose their mojo as they, they went on. Yeah. They opened up the season this year against a team that beat them a year ago, and they really didn't leave any doubt. So no. it's it was were, were they playing the best opponent in the world? No, right. But it it allowed them to find themselves a little bit, get some players on the score sheet, get some new players on the score right. sheet, and just give them that more positive start that they didn't have a year ago. I thought their energy was good. I saw them on Friday, of course, not Saturday, but I saw the game on Friday, and I thought their energy was good. They had mm-hmm. good step in their, in their, in their, you know, a lot of pep in their step. Yep. Um, you know, had 42 shots the first game, 39 the next night. I mean, we have over 80 shots in two games. You're pretty happy as a coach. Right. You know, that means you're doing some good things. Yep. And, and you score you know, eight goals. I mean, yeah, that's, scored- it, was, it was all around – I, I don't think Dano could ask for much more. No, I thought it was a pretty good showing as well. Uh, men's basketball played an exhibition game against UMD last night. Went fairly well, all things being equal. They did lose that game, of course, to the Bulldogs, 77-65, to but a lot of good signs for Coach Greg Polkowski. Mac Reichdahl, 18 points. Allen Anderson, the transfer from Bemidji State, 15 points. Vid Malinkovic with 14 more. But a good look at the Yellow Jackets. I mean, it was just an exhibition game. Against UMD, of course. But a 12-point game against them? Yeah, and that that's going to be a pretty good UMD team this year. Agreed. Yeah, yep. they're going to be – I mean, they're big and they're deep, um, you know, and they've got a lot of returners. That UMD team is chock full of guys who got a lot of minutes last year. So right. a really good showing, and 
You get, if you're Coach Greg Polkowski, you're probably pretty happy I about how that. Be, uh, I think you've got to be pretty happy about yeah, how that I mean, shook out. How that how that went. Women's basketball played a pair of exhibitions in the last week. Lost the first one to Bemidji State, 80 to 51, on Friday, before falling to UMD, 82-45 last night. And that's just a case I think where they were just the other teams were just too big and too physical for the Jackets. Yep. So a couple of players had nice performances against Bemidji. Eva Reinertsen, 20 points. Emily Carpenter with 10 points. Then at UMD last night, Carpenter had 14. Eva had 10 points for the Jackets. And they will be in action for the first time this coming week as well officially. And then, of course, last but not least, men's hockey. I was just going to go back, though. I mean, you, you, you talk about the Bemidji game. And a year ago, right, Coach yeah. Zach Otto Fisher's team goes in there and wins that game. Right, yeah. Bemidji wasn't going to let that happen mm. again. They they had it was, a long it was a little different a long memory on that one. Yeah, it's a little and bit different of a scenario, and that was actually a game that was pretty tight at halftime. It was thirty eight thirty at the half. Yeah, it was pretty tight at halftime, and then Bemidji went on a twenty two to eight run in the yep. third, and that just pretty much broke it open. But yeah, Bemidji it was not your typical I don't think exhibition contest. No, yeah, so uh, yeah, kind of a tough way to start, but uh, you know, um, you know those games you use them basically to just trying to get. Some some competition and get some live competition, right. uh, knowing and and you schedule those games knowing that the opposition is going to be bigger, stronger, faster than you are. Yep, which is what made the win last year at Bemidji all the more impressive. Right. Um. But uh, yeah, so a couple of exhibitions and they'll get uh, going for real this coming weekend as well. And like I said, last but not least, men's hockey, they'll be getting set and getting started here for 2019-20 this week. Finally. Yeah. After yeah, it feels like it's been a long time. Yeah. I mean, they, it, well, it has been. You yeah. Know? I mean. It was. The, it's the one thing I never liked when I was a player. Is you you get here. I mean, I lived here in the summer, but your teammates are coming back mid to late August, and you've got over two months of well, dry land, practice and dry land, captain's and, practice, yeah. and then the initial practices before you finally get to a conditioning game. and lifting. And it and is so long, and it, it it's finally done and these guys they're you're you're sick of hitting your teammates you're sick of scrimmaging against your teammates you're sick of listening to coach yell at you in practice it's like no we want we want to play now and they're finally at that point well and they had to wait an extra week yeah cuz the the way the schedule worked out this year so they had all watching all these other teams play yeah this past and weekend and yeah. they're sitting here going all right we got Saturday morning practice again here we go and now yeah. they finally get to play for real i know those guys were chomping at the bit i got a chance to talk with connor hamannick a little bit and andrew durham and uh, i even saw um, colton bates and they were all talking about yeah it's it's getting to that point now we've kind of got ants in our pants yep. <laughs> to get going here yeah, so yeah basically yeah so uh yeah it's good to see the guys will be finally hitting the hitting the uh hitting the ice for real yep this friday and saturday we'll talk more about that of course in the final segment of the podcast here but uh yeah, we're in that weird time of year. If you if you just kept track of everything that we just talked about, you did pretty well. Yeah, you did. There was a lot of information there. <laughs> so. The joys of crossover season. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. We'll take a break here, and when we come back, we will catch up with the head men's hockey coach here at UW Superior, Rich McKenna. You're listening to the Eye of the Swarm. Sports broadcasts on 91.3 FM are made possible in part by Barker's Island Inn of Superior. The Barker's Waterfront Grill offers breakfast, lunch, and dinner overlooking the harbor. More at BarkersIslandInn.com, Northern Wisconsin's island getaway. We're back on the Eye of the Swarm podcast, and this week we're joined by the Yellow Jacket head men's hockey coach, Rich McKenna, and a big deep breath as 
the longest offseason in the history of sports, which is Division Three college hockey, finally goes by the wayside and your team is is back in action. So let's let's talk a little bit about the nineteen twenty Yellow Jackets and, and what what we have to look forward to when we hit the airwaves on Friday night. Well, first thing I'd like to say is preseason would have been a lot shorter because I was waiting to get onto this podcast. So <laughs> thank you for having me. Uh, now that we're into game I could week pu- here. I could put you on the spot and ask what your favorite part of a previous podcast was, but I have a hunch well, you haven't tuned poke. into everything. It's just Pope. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that, that was a good one, uh, for the whole, sure. The whole uh, interview with Pope. But, uh, yeah, no, this uh, it's been a good, long, long offseason, long preseason. Uh, we have some uh, pretty good freshmen in. Uh, decor's kind of revamped a little bit. We return Oscar Svensson, so so goal, so from the net out, looks pretty good. Forward group is looks strong and deep, deeper than it's been in the past. Uh, guys are gelling. There's a good culture. Guys are uh, working hard. I think they're chomping at the bit now to kind of get going. Uh, and it's uh, we're really looking forward to our, our first test here on Friday. Two goaltenders, five new defensemen, so definitely building from the net out. It, it traditionally people say that defense is the toughest adjustment going from one level to the next. And have you seen that with five new defensemen? Are they acclimating to the pace, to how everything happens at the college level? Is there going to be some growing pains with that group? What have you seen with so much new blood back there? I think naturally there'll be some new growing pains no matter what, just due to the fact that the different different philosophies kids are coming from juniors they have 60 games it's a little bit easier for them to when they take that step from let's say uh, minor hockey or midget hockey to get to go to juniors they have 60 games to kind of get get their uh, feet wet and everything else so uh here it's a little bit quicker but we have a longer much longer preseason right so lots of practice so we i think uh There'll be some growing pains naturally. I don't think they'll, it'll be very long. It might be a stretch in a game where we kind of maybe have to pull a guy back and pl- play other guys a little bit more, kind of go back to the draw- drawing board, do some video work with them, and it should be quick adjustments. Uh, one kid that, you know, out of the five, one is a D1 transfer. I don't I don't necessarily foresee too much of a uh, – of a, of a acclimation period having to happen for uh, Lawson McDonald coming from D one, so he, you know, he's been a, he's been a pretty steady presence back there for us from from day one. Uh, the other guys, they they've all done great things. Uh, I would say there's more positives than uh, than uh, head scratchers going on back there with them. Uh, they'll all be in the lineup at some point here in the very near future, uh, and uh, I think they're I think they're coming along on. On time, where 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 we want to be is where we are right now. I had a chance to actually watch you guys a couple weeks ago when you hosted the exhibition games, and Lawson McDonald is probably one of the best skaters I have ever seen here. You you want to talk about an effortless skater? He personifies that. He he's an absolutely beautiful skater, and I imagine that's going to serve him extremely well at this level. You can yeah, kind of get sure. lost in the shuffle with that a little bit, Division One, because most of those kids can skate so well at this level. That's going to bring a completely different element to your team. Yes, absolutely. I, Lawson is, uh, you know, he played. He's from Winkler, played up in Winkler, left juniors a year early to go to UNO, uh, and he was an everyday. He was basically an every game player for them. Like it wasn't like we were getting a healthy scratch down here, and we're happy about it. We were getting a guy that was on a on a top four pair against UMD last year in the last year's national championship for them. So like he played. 
uh, and he played in the best conference in, in Division One, night in and night out. So coming down here now to the best conference in Division Three, uh, obviously guys are probably a little bit older than necessarily Division One, uh, but he's but his skating is just it's effortless. It, it's I've very not since my time at at Division One or in the USHL have I seen a defenseman be able to close so quickly, even in open ice on a two-on-one of of forcing the puck carry to do something. If the puck carry does move it to the to the other guy to the weak side forward, for him to be able to get over and get a stick on that shot, like he's. Lawson's going to be a very big part of this program for the next two years, for sure. It's going to create an interesting element to your transition game, too, because you got a guy who isn't going to be forced to move the puck forward, you know, tape to tape. He's going to be able to skate it a little bit, too. Yeah. And so your forwards are going to have to have a little bit of an adjustment with that because they're, I think, for the most part at this level used to getting the pass from a defenseman as opposed to somebody who could potentially lead the rush. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, and, ha- and having Turch back there too, we kind of, we, there's a real element of puck possession back there on our blue line now. Uh, when we went out recruiting uh, last year, we wanted to get, we have a good mix on our blue line. We wanted to get guys that were good defensively, obviously, but we wanted some, we wanted to go and get a riverboat gambler or two in, like, let's say, uh, uh, Chucky and uh, Charles Martin. Like, he's a bit of a riverboat gambler. We might have to rein him in a little bit at times, but he, he, what he he brings an element of offense, uh, like Turch brings. Lawson brings an element of real steady two-way hockey. He's gonna be Lawson's gonna be elite at this level in terms of because of his skating. I wouldn't necessarily say Lawson's one-dimensional. Like what Lawson just does everything really good. Uh, Sam Stern is a is a really good breakout defenseman. He can cr- help create the long game for us. Uh, he's uh, you know he's got a good shot. Like he's there. He's coming along very nicely. I think he's probably ahead of the curve of where I thought he would be at this point in time. Uh, Austin Friesen. I mean, he played in the he played in the Robertson Cup last year for the North American League. He's a big body, solid defensively moves the puck, he's that quick up kind of D. So we have a balance on our back end between puck possession, uh, puck movers, guys that can lead the rush. We, we kind of have a little bit of everything back there, kind of like in the forward group in terms of offensive guys, two-way guys, and kind of your, 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 your checkers, right? So we have some, uh, we have some good balance back there, and I, and I think, uh, you know, as we go, get into games and into certain situations, we can break up D pairs and kind of put certain guys out with other with other guys, and we can really we can really start to carry the carry the play a little bit more and, and ultimately have the puck more. Do you want to rein a guy in though? Because yeah, well, you, you, yeah you said yeah. you wanted to get a couple riverboat gamblers, and uh, I feel like with those guys, you have to take the good with the bad. And reining them in, I, I feel like it forced them to change yes, the game but, too much, but. Chucky can't be F one on the four check every time he's out on the ice. Like we got we to work on that a little bit, you know. But he's uh, but he's got a great shot. Uh, he's an athlete. He's a re- he's a really good player. Uh, but again, you put him with certain guys. You could put him with a Stern. You could put him with a Hamannick. You could put him with a Lawson. Guys that kind of will know how to read off of their partner and and be able to allow him to do certain things and free him up. Yes, absolutely. But you know, we're gonna again. We we can't be. <laughs> We can't be four checking all the time here. <laughs> I feel like I'm dominating the conversation, Matt. So well, please like, jump in because I know you got something. Yeah, I do. Uh, you know, I've got a chance to know you uh, outside of hockey, and you and I talk quite a bit. Actually, in the fall, usually, 
at yes. games that I'm not broadcasting and you're game managing. We've had a chance to chat. Uh, and one of the points that you Best made. Best game manager that we have, by the way. <laughs> just, just letting that out. Boy, there. we're going to start a competition there, too. Wow. Right? Fired wow. shot across Greg Polkowski's <laughs> bow. Yeah, yeah. I'm coming for you. I'm coming for you, Polk. I'm coming for you, Polk and Poof. Um, one of the things that you and I talked about, and this was interesting because uh, I think we talked about during one of the women's soccer games earlier in the year when we were just standing on the sideline, was the fact that, and, and you could touch on this as kind of the evolution of the program under your leadership, is that this is one of those years, and it's kind of like the first year where you really kind of targeted an area where you wanted to recruit, areas specifically where you wanted to recruit. I know that you, you talked about it's a process trying to build the program back up to where we want to be, um, but you were... You talked about like I wanted to bring in defensemen and 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 some good some depth in goaltender this year, and that was one of those areas where I know in the past you kind of brought in some forwards, brought in some D, but uh, it, it says something about the progress of the pro of the program now that you're beginning able to target that. And I just wanted to get your perspective on how you feel that process is going. Yeah, I, you know when when we first got the job, it was all right. Let's just get some guys in here that we know can help us and help and help keep us competitive and and, and maybe push us. Just to take that one step forward. Uh, you know, we had some great leadership in that first year with uh, Oscar Svensson's brother, Anton Tone, still playing pro over in, uh, he's in Alavance, and now he's one, one league below the SHL in Sweden. So, like, we had, so we were able to kind of get the culture to start going. Like, that was, like, the first year. So then we wanted to get some, high char- some more high-character kids, some kids that had some strong work ethic. And everything else, and we th- there was a lot of holes throughout it. So it was like, okay, let's get this guy, let's get that guy, and and then as the as the seasons have gone on, I've been able to see where, okay, we do if we want to eventually play the way like the way I want to coach this team and the way I feel we can win, we got to have to go out and start to get specific in certain areas, uh, you know. And so we went out and got some more D, and I, you know that was also by necessity too. There was a couple. Yeah. You know, we, we had a couple of injuries last year and everything else, and we had to kind of, you know, we had to adjust some things at the at the end of last year or the second half. Uh, we didn't want to go back to that. We wanted to play. We wanted to go back to a more traditional style. So we went and got those guys. But I'd say the biggest thing in ter- that I've learned from my first year to this year was, was we were spreading ourselves very thin trying to get who are the best players we could get out of Alberta? Who are the best players we could get out of Manitoba? Who are the best players we could get out of the North American League? Whereas the the last two years it's been, and I and I believe we've taken a bigger steps in the last two years because we haven't made as many mistakes. It's been let's be really good in this league and let's be really good in this league and let's just l- minimize our mistakes. Let's just be a little bit more diligent. Uh, let's get to know these kids a little bit more. And I think... The, the, the byproduct of that is we've gotten better kids, we've gotten uh, better hockey players, uh, and our, our culture has gotten better, and our, and our team has gotten better. I mean, we could have folded last year, but we had this mentality of, like, let's, you know, it doesn't matter who's out there. We're all good. Like, let's get, let, let, let's just do what we're supposed to do. And I think that will translate into this year and we could start we that was a turning point for us last year when we proved to ourselves it doesn't matter uh it doesn't matter what happens let's just keep let's just keep pushing forward and I think going back to the recruiting question that you had it it allowed us to kind of be able to take that step last year oh because I'm sorry John um one of the things I'm noticing now is that they're they're building some depth now and experience together as a group and that takes a, that's a process of, of guys getting the reps in together. 
Um, you know, the college season is very different from the junior season, and you talked about that a little bit. You're not playing 60 to 80 games anymore. you got 25 games to put it out there. And so the consistency needs to be there, and the guys need to bring the intensity every night. And, um, you know, it's one of those things where I feel like, at least from my perspective, being a basketball guy, sort of. Um, what do you mean, sort of? Sort of, yeah, definitely a basketball guy. In this case, a basketball guy talking uh, to a couple you, of hockey You're down guys. at Westman a lot. <laughs> I'm not at Westman a lot. I've, I've called hockey games in the past. But um, it, it feels like that depth factor in getting guys who now kind of understand the college mindset. and Because I know you have that in your forward lines now. You have guys that have played a couple of years of college now, and they kind of get it a little bit more maybe than the younger guys who come in from juniors and are like, well, what is this college thing all about? We can just go out here and roll. No, you got to bring it every night. Yeah. And it, it's, that's a transition that a lot of the younger guys need to make. And, it, and it's big for us, too, because, you know, on top of going from 60 games to 25, we don't have an AQ in the WIAC. So we can't just... That's get, an automatic qualifier for yeah, people sorry, who don't yes. know. So we can't just get in, like, not, not limp along, but just get into playoffs and kind of build up throughout the season and play our best hockey in February. We have to start now. Yep. You know, you, you blow five games in the first half. Unless you win out, you're probably not getting in right now. So it's, it, it, it's even a little bit, it's amped up a little bit more for us too. Uh, and, you know, in the last, we've, we've, we've done a lot of recruiting in the last four summers. And you know, even though we have, uh, we have old, we have a lot of returners, we still have twenty freshmen and sophomores on the team. So it's a very, it's a, it's also a very young team. Like this team is still very much growing together. Right. You know, it's. Uh, I, I think it's uh, it, it's a good place to be, and we've been able to pick up some transfers here and there throughout to kind of help boost the upperclassmen a little bit. But, I mean, this is very much a, a first half of your college career kind of looking team. with Because with, we have some big guys that are sophomores that, you know, you have Turch, you have Chad Lopez, you know, you have those guys that McTavish was good for us down the stretch last year. Like, those guys are all, they're only sophomores. So this team is still very much growing together. Now, right. we've added, you know, you've added Andrew Durham, another D1 transfer. You've added Troy York, a D1 transfer. You now you got Lawson, a D1 transfer. And you got a couple of bubble guys that probably could have played in Division One too now, but they're only sophomores. So now they get to kind of see what it was like if they actually did be able to become Division One players. And, you know, so we're, so we're trying to run the program a certain way here now and and kind of groom guys so when when this when these two classes truly become seniors and juniors i think that's when it there can be that arrival kind of feeling right. uh, yeah. around our team i think i know where you're going to go with, based on what you just said with how you answered this this next one so i kind of want to go back to last season you talked about how the team could have folded and i vividly remember that Saturday at St. Thomas where, I mean, you got pistol whipped down there. Yeah. And that was kind of the, the bottoming the... out where it's like, okay, this this is going to be terrible the rest of the way. But the switch flipped after that, and it went the opposite direction. What What was the force or what were the forces that kind of flipped that switch and made it go the direction which it did, which was a strong finish, which was the highest finish in the conference, the playoff win at Eau Claire, suddenly getting votes in the poll to start the year. What, what was the fo- force that kind of drove that? 
Well, kind of a two-sided answer. One, I kind of blacked out at that point in time, so I don't know. Maybe I said something. Okay. (laughs) Fair. Maybe I I, I went off the wires crossed a little bit there. But uh, in all honesty, I think there was – it was such a demoralizing feeling at that point in time. Like you said, the kind of bottomed out. We actually knew – I think for the first time we actually knew what rock bottom was because we knew we were – we had decent players. Uh, and we knew we, and more importantly, we knew we had good people. So it was just like, okay, like, like what's going on here? Because this really isn't supposed to happen. Not, not that you can't lose a game, but like the way we were going about our business was just not right on the ice. Because we were doing the right things off the ice, you know. So we, we, you know, I think, you know, and then it kind of came to a point too where it was like, you know what, like we're gonna, we're gonna see. We're going to experiment here. Like, what's the worst that can happen? We lose again? Like, like, let's just focus on effort and everything else. We, you know, we obviously made uh, a major system change after, uh, after St. Thomas. And, you know, and then now you put in, you know, you put in Oscar Svensson. and Oscar was the third string goalie for the last, for his, his whole time here up until that point. And basically there was a conversation with him, like, listen, you, you, you do it, you're going. You're going to go until you, until you don't. And he answered, like, character truly started to show. He answered the bell, and he had a tremendous run in the in his 13 games. I, I, he finished, I think, top three in the country for, for, uh, for statistically for goals against and in uh, a save percentage. You know, and then it it would we were able to then give maybe some fresh. I mean, we we went into playoffs playing 12 freshmen, so I think that kind of got guys there there was an energy brought because the guys were like all right like this is actually my chance to show that I that I belong at this level and show that I belong here or whatever so I I think it was just a a whole bunch of little conversations uh and then just a real uh who's staring you back in the mirror kind of mentality of like okay like are we really are we really this bad or or is there a way to change our kind of change it a little bit and I and the guys answered and they changed it and you know I I think uh it still didn't go our way for whatever reason there's there's a higher power than us uh there you know in in all honesty that offsides in the regular season lost to to Eau Claire they were if they would have called that goal back we would have hosted Eau Claire at our at our place in that in that second round so maybe that would have changed, you know. And then we were we still made that those one or two grave mistakes, and that ultimately is what, what we had Eau Claire, mm-hmm. and that ulti- that we made one mistake, and that ultimately yeah. ended our season. Uh, but it was also a major growing growing curve for us, and we were it, it, and it was a point for our guys to kind of look back. And I would say the kind of the best thing that I saw throughout the, that whole time last year and those growing pains that we were going through is when we did make that one grave mistake that ended our season, there was no finger pointing. Everybody took it, said I could have done something better. And yeah. I thought that really helped our propeller team to, to, to be what we hopefully think we can be this year. Yeah, you went the direction I thought because you, you brought up Oscar, obviously, and, and the run he was on was 
incredible. It seemed like he was making 35 saves every single night. Yeah, and he let in 35 goals in practice every week, too. It's <laughs> the weirdest thing I've hey, ever seen. Whatever you need, keep it going. <laughs> He's a real guess, gamer. Right? Some guys are gamers. <laughs> but you know? the, other, the other piece of that was the freshman class, and I'm glad you brought them up because they – there's a group that I think you were the one who told me that they're the second highest scoring returning class in the conference. In the conference. Yeah. And the, the guys who were kind of coming in with that group last year, the Levi Cudmores and the Colton Bateses, who were the big scorers in junior, there's still some question as to what exactly do we have here, isn't there? Because there's a lot of room for growth with those guys. Yeah, and, you know, but yes, but they're finding their where. I think their roles are and where they can be successful, right? I thought last year be, we had we had a lot of forwards last year, and, and our decor got absolutely dismantled, basically. So when we went into the system to allow us to play four forwards, it allowed guys to kind of just start playing. They weren't coming out. There, there, there just wasn't enough guys. So it allowed those guys to kind of get their feet wet a little bit, and I see growth now in them. But the one thing that group did – whether you score 80 points in juniors and you come to college and have five, those those guys brought energy. They kind of brought a fire to them, and it, it and it actually, in a way, kind of, I think, rubbed some people didn't know how to react to that. Uh, you know, like one of the biggest things when I first got the job was like, you know, we we got to change the culture here a little bit. We got to up we got to up our compete level in practice. We got to, We just got to do things a little bit better. There's a lot of great things that I inherited here, and there were some things that I'd like to tweak a little bit. And it basically took me two years to get a class to come in to just say, like, we're here to win. Let's figure out how to do it. And guys had to kind of – upperclassmen kind of had to adjust a little bit because there, there wasn't a – we were still building the foundation of like when you come and play at UWS, this is what you do. And that freshman class of last year really helped kind of solidify this is what it means to play here. This is how we do it. This is how you go about your business. And I think now that fre- the, the freshman class that's coming in now, they see how it's being done. Like everybody seems to be more on the same page here now. Everybody seems to have uh, – conversations like one of the best things I've seen this year is there's not a ton of guys just with their heads buried in their phone they're actually enjoying each other they go out together they have dinner together they do things together our team building the exercises that we've done have been a lot more fun it's not 30 gallon challenge I saw the video yeah, of that one that, that went that went like viral on this thing called TikTok. I don't I'm I am apparently not it's a, got like 15 million 15 views million views on this thing I, I don't even know what don't TikTok know what that is, is. Yeah. I've, I'm not I'm probably the worst social media person uh, <laughs> if it wasn't for garbs I nobody would know what's going on uh, <laughs> I'm not one to do that stuff that's like the last thing on my mind and they, like but like Last year was always very reactionary. Okay, we're doing this because we have to, or the last three years, I should say, we're doing this because we have to and all that stuff. This year, it's they're, they're making things fun. You have to, you know, like we want to go to other teams' games. Uh, you know, and I have Joe Mooney writing me an email. Hey, like your guys like literally dismantled St. Scholastica's bench and frazzled their guys, and like they were a big part of our victory against them. Like, Though that mean like they're making things happen. fun. They're yeah. making things happen. They made that one poor guy quit. They made one guy quit. Yeah, it's you know like that's that means a lot to me. <laughs> 
Well, you know, <laughs> your, your guys are very visible with the other programs, which is great. I, I really like that because I've gotten to the point now, with, even with basketball, if you guys are available, you know, when you guys are not playing, if you're off on the weekend or something and we're at home, I look for your guys and they come in. You know, yeah. Five or six of them at a, at a clip. You know, they'll come in and they'll sit. And, uh, you know, the, the, the soccer team has the reputation to be the most rowdy group of fans, you know, in terms of supporting other teams. The men's soccer team does. But the men's hockey team is, get, you know, I mean, they're, your guys aren't as rowdy, but they're very supportive. Yeah. You know, for the most part. And that's kind of, um, it's interesting that you bring up Joe Mooney. Because uh, I know that you guys kind of share some philosophies in terms of building yep. programs, um, and the fact that the you know the soccer team and the hockey team t- tend to support each other pretty pretty well during their respective seasons, especially Blake Perry. Especially Blake Perry. <laughs> Perry uh, Wa- that Waddy, goes both ways. Like I see Waddy all the time. He comes in. He you know brings me in for the real thing. Drops me a pound and all that stuff. Like yeah. it, it, it's cool to see. It's yeah. fun. It's a family. We're you know, over at the athletic department, we're really trying to, to, to create that atmosphere and that culture amongst our teams and even amongst the coaches. This year I went, you know, I you know, I saw the success that Joe Mooney was having and I was like, All right, Joe, like like what do you do? How do you how do you train your guys? Right? Just because it's soccer doesn't mean I can't take a philosophy and apply it to hockey. I ended up going and watching his practice. You know, I talk to Polk all the time. I you know, I I talk to we talk amongst each other and, and Frank and, and, you know, we talk amongst everybody and uh, you can pull certain things. And right. it's a pretty – and I think if your players see the coaches doing it, they'll naturally not gravitate to it, but they won't fight it at least. Right. And then yeah. you can start – and then all of a sudden you start to see this this atmosphere. I mean, listen, we're a small little college in the northernmost town of Wisconsin and and – we play, you know, we're in the WIAC. We play against the teams that have 10,000 kids yep. that go, like, it's different. You know, it's different, and we have to support each other, and, and it helps uh, it helps create an atmosphere. And, you know, we should be able to walk around campus and tell somebody, hey, good game. Yeah. And I think it means a lot. I think one of the things, uh, one of the things I experienced when I was at St. Olaf going way back, the hockey team there really kind of made an effort to almost separate themselves from the rest of the campus which kind of rubbed a lot of the athletes the wrong way. You don't have that here. It's one of the things I noticed when I came here. And it's tough, too, yeah, because, like, our guys are 21 when they come in. Right, yeah. We're not typical freshmen where they're coming in at 18. Like, our guys are 21. Right. Our guys yeah. also live off campus. Right. So it, it, it so if we don't do those things, it very much does look like that. And we don't, like, listen, we're superior. We don't want to be... We, we're not different than anybody else. We all, right. you know, we're, we're athletes here. We represent our school. We travel to other schools to impose our will upon them. You know, like, we all bleed black and yellow. So, like, let's let's do it for each other. And I, and that's, you know, and, and it's, it's a throwback to what my college coach did for me. And he made us do those things. Yeah. And it was all of a sudden you get to know more people. You're not right. just yeah. eating with. Same. Your team, yeah. and you know, you could walk into the cafeteria by yourself, and next thing you know, you're sitting with the Blake Perry and Waddy, yep. you know, and it doesn't yep. matter whether you're a freshman, junior, sophomore, whatever. It doesn't matter. Like you, you have more. We're st- we're one, you know, and and I think that's it's it's coming along. Yeah. It, it's it's a fun it's a fun thing to see from my first year to where it is now. I think Garves, you can you can buy, you've been in all those meetings with us. It's 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 changed. There's change. For the positive happening. No, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's come a long way in in just the last five years, and I 
it, it's deliberate. There, it's it's been a very concerted effort from the top down to make it more of a we are one yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, where everybody supports everybody else. Because I one of the things that you notice if you go to a men's hockey game or most sports events, you'll see athletes from just about every team, at least a, some some a couple of them at least. Yeah, in the stands watching, yeah, or, and supporting each other. Um, you know, uh, and not to go too off on a tangent here, but for the St. Glasgow soccer game this year, miserable conditions. I saw athletes from at least four different teams there, and and you know at UWS that yeah. made the trek in horrible weather to go across and support that the guys. Was an awful day. Yeah, it was a horrible day. But <laughs> and they were loud and silly and crazy. Yeah. You know, and like like you talked about last with with Mooney and uh, the soccer team playing St. Glasgow. You know, you're getting on them a little bit on their bench, and <laughs> yeah, it was pretty good from what I understand. <laughs> from yeah, what I understand, there, it was pretty it, good. You know, but uh, that really does kind of cement the community aspect. And I, I picked it up from you right away uh, when when Coach Polkowski uh, got hired when Greg came in. Um, I think you had been here a year. Is that about right? Yeah, yeah, yeah you've been here a year. year. Um, I remember you said to me because I said, "Well, I need to go talk to to Polk here in a minute," and you said, "I need to call him and make sure he knows that he has my support." Yeah, because he's in the same, he's in the similar boat than I am, which yeah. is we're trying to build our programs a certain way, and I just want to pick his brain a little bit and let him know I'm there for him. And I thought that is one of the coolest things I've heard a coach say, because I mean it was like, I the way that it came out to me when you said it to me, and this is going back now three years, but was oh man I almost forgot I got to call him like you yeah, know like yeah, no, that's important it, and I almost forgot it <laughs> you know like this is an important thing I got to make sure I do this. And that's very cool. When and we're still trying to get the families together. We've been working on that for three years. But <laughs> it's, it's tough. <laughs> yeah, but uh, that that I was like, that's the coolest thing. I think when you have coaches from you know a prominent program on campus saying, "I'm going to go support the guy with another prominent program on campus." Yeah, you know that's important. You know, and it, it's cool because we have a for the most part a pretty young group of coaches on campus here, and. It's cool to see the department kind of grow together in that regard, right? You know, because everybody's about in the same age range, a couple exceptions, but for the most part, all of the coaches are in that kind of upper thirties, early forties, you know, maybe ish, yeah, like area in terms of age and and and, and you know. And there's been all, a lot of turnover too, yeah, right? You know, yeah. Allison, you know, and look what Allison's doing with her program, and and obviously Joe's doing really well, but you know. Joe looks like he's, you know, early 30s, so Joe looks good, you know. And, yeah, Joe and, looks uh, younger than a lot of his former players. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> tanning booth or something. I don't know what it is, but he, he looks jeans, great. I guess. Yeah, I don't he's know. got a great glow to him. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and then you have Polk, and then Frank came in with me too. And, like, so there, there's a lot of things that, you know, and, and look at our – Look at our boss. I mean, like Nick's Nick's a young guy as well too, and and he's done a great job, and he's been on board, and you know, and he's been he's been the guy behind the, a lot of the change uh, for sure. You yeah. know, and there's support from us to him, and you know, and 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 most importantly from Nick to us, there's support. So I think it's uh, there's a lot of good things happening here. Let's talk a little bit about the conference. It's got a bit of a different look this year. Uh, one new member, so inching closer to that. We're getting up there. the AQ, <laughs> but it—I it, mean—it changed your schedule quite a bit too. Now with three conference games against everybody else instead of two, how does that change your season? Well, I think one—if you take care of business outside of your conference, our strength of schedule will be very good. You know, when you play the Eau Claire's three times and you play play point three times, right? Just let's just name those two. But Northland's a very good team. 
they're going to go off and beat some other teams, right? So that right. so if you if you do well against any of the Northland Stouts and and River Falls, you do well against those teams too. Your strength of schedule is going to go up. So maybe maybe it is more than just five losses and still can help get you in. Maybe it's getting to the conference championship now. I think it also kind of helps establish uh, for us, you know, and, and our fans reestablish some rivalries. You know, you get the team, you get the points more than twice. You know, you, every other year you're, the, our fans are going to see us play point twice at home. Because uh, I think ours, right, it was four times you guys played? Yes. It was four. So so we're at three, right? So I, I think that helps. Uh you know, and obviously Northland being so close, like that that's a natural rivalry. That, you know, right. the Highway yeah. 2 rivalry or whatever you want to call it, right? Is, that, is it 2, it, Highway 2? Yeah, I think it has a name now. Yeah, yeah. Highway 2. So, like, it, you two. know, uh, I'm horrible with directions. It's just, I'm just not that No, but that's the, ta- that's, that's the road. That's the road, right? <laughs> That's the road. I'm from more down by, you know, I'm from the East Coast. You have it, bus drivers, so you don't we, have to worry yeah, about that. Yeah, exactly. Right. I'm, and I have three kids, so I'm usually asleep right away. Uh, but uh, I think our... It helps the strength of our schedule, uh, you know. We, you know, and then those. I mean, look what Point did last year, and you know, Eau Claire took us to the to the to the wire too, and uh, you know, Stout's all, Stout's always a team that you don't know how good they're. They could be really good one night, or you know, so like they, you you have to, you have to show up every game, even more so now. Uh, because you're gonna, if you don't show up against one of those teams, you will lose. Yeah. So it's, uh, it does make our uh, conference stronger, uh, and it does, uh, you know, make you have to prepare probably a little bit differently. Uh, and so it's, uh, it's going to be, it'll be interesting this year for sure. And you've always had, I don't want to say it's a luxury, but the bulk of your conference schedule coming in the second half. So you could so ramp you have up. those early games yeah. to, to find Not out what anymore. you have. And now with the way your schedule fell this well, you didn't you're, you didn't play opening weekend. You got two at home this weekend. You're Bye. off next week. Bam. Into number it. Number one and number two in the conference, according to the preseason yeah. poll, come into your building right off the bat. So you don't have a lot of time to get your feet wet. No, but it also gives, you know, like you want to, you want to be positive, right? It also gives us time to prepare. Right now we had a ch- we had basically three weeks to prepare for St. Mary's and St. Olaf's. Now we have an entire week. We basically have two weeks of practice to prepare for Eau Claire and Point, and then from there you start to you know you want to get through those four games on the positive side of things. It also I think the the way our schedule kind of landed this year too it allowed us to give us some time to not have to rush those defensemen and 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 all that too so it gave us some more development time within our within our own uh guys are chomping at the bit obviously they want to compete right but uh i think it if we manage it properly it can be an advantage uh for us and you know and then after that we go on a long you're going to be on that bus too garves a nice long road trip out to pittsburgh and then uh and a very long road trip on the way back because <laughs> we're not we're not stopping. There's no stops along. There's the way no stops the way along home. the way. So uh, it you know our a bulk of our season is after Christmas. So what we want to do is take our time, be calculated uh, up until break, and then and then when we get back for our tournament and in January where we don't have school, let's 
let's really that's the time where we want to really ramp it up and start playing really good hockey so then we can get into february where it's all just non-con basically from there it's all just conference from what middle of january right garbage you probably know my yep. schedule better than me well, so there's probably a good chance i do yeah for sure uh we're the next game kind of kind of staff so <laughs> uh so then it, it'll give us a, a chance to kind of really get our game honed in, ready to go, and and hopefully ma- make some noise towards the end. We made reference to the poll and the uh, WIAC preseason poll, and it was Stevens Point, Eau Claire, U, River Falls, Northland, then Stout. That's yep. the way that it shook out for the six teams. And then based on the way the poll came out, based on the way your team finished a year ago, suddenly you're getting votes in the USCHO poll. So you're not under the radar anymore. Yeah, I guess. I think people I, are start they're they're starting to see and I've been I've been beating this drum going back since when you first got here saying better days are coming. Tr- you got to trust me, trust the process, better days are coming. And I think other people are recognizing they might kind of be here now. Yeah. And I'm not, you know, I was kind of funny. I was talking to my wife. I'm like, "Oh my god, we got now the guys are talking about this or whatever. People are calling me. I'm just like, I don't." She was like, "Embrace it." So Instead of me going into the locker room and being like, guys, like, I don't want to hear about that noise or whatever, it was, it was basically a challenge. Like, guys, we will get everybody's best game because no one's going to ever – no one wants Superior to be there. We had, they, they, the way they look, were looked at is they had their time. Now it's let's just keep them down. Let's just keep them down. Well, we're starting to poke the bear now. So either you guys are going to practice like a team that's going to be there at the end and we're going to go about our business that way. And and if you do that, I believe we can be there. So it, so we embraced it and I'm, you know, and it's it's good. Uh, it's exciting. But again, if we, we can't put the cart before the horse, we got to kind of, you know, just focus on St. Mary's. After St. Mary's, let's focus on St. Olaf's. Let's then take a day and let's start to kind of work on our, our game and then the following week start to prepare for the next for the next two games which is going to be a big test for us so we uh, you know yes it's cool it's it's exciting it's fun uh you know I have my my five-year plan from from my interview taped on my desk I see it every single day I also have you know my the, the news clippings of you know from my, my going into my second year, low expectations for yellow jacket hockey and it's it's fuel. Now there's a you know, it's fuel to the fire and I think the fire's lit here now and that's more fuel, but it's just a little bit better. And I think you're you're in a community too that's and they want to see they're it. starving for they, they, for the they program see, they to see be it. back where it was. Yeah, they want to see it. And yeah. it it will it's a little bit different, though. The times have changed, as Garves, as you know, right? The, the, from you played here to the way the game's played now, it's different. Right. Like, it, jacket hockey, if you played jacket hockey... Like I now, played Now, like, when back in the day, we'd have 60 minutes in the penalty box. Yeah. You can't do it. So things, like, we're just doing it our way because that's the way the game's being dictated now, and we have to do it, uh, you know, and we have to go about it, you know, and we want to stay true to our roots and... And everything else, but like it's, uh, you know, it's they are starving. They've been they've been patient, and I appreciate it. And you know, our alumni have been great, and everything else. They've been super resourceful for me, and and all that stuff. So, 
Uh, I think now it's, you know, it, we have a chance to pay back a little bit, and we just got to keep, you know, we just got to just take it day by day. Yeah, a quick question for you, because uh, we touched on this when we talked with Coach Polkowski about the high-profile teams that he's bringing in for the Merrill Thompson this year. And you made a little bit of a reference to the tournament that you guys host every year. Um, it seems like you guys are getting really good teams, especially even from the East Coast to come in for that now. And I haven't looked specifically necessarily at what the field is for your tournament this year, but uh, what do you guys like? What teams are coming in for that, and and what's what are you expecting from that tournament this year? Well, when we talked about starting a tournament, and there's in the hockey season, it's kind of it's with the way the schedules are and 25 games, it's kind of there's really you have a Thanksgiving tournament or a Christmas tournament. There's really no other time right. to really have right. a tournament yeah. where teams can travel and all that stuff so we picked christmas it's it'll be kind of funky in the next year or two uh though guards we gotta we gotta have a meeting when, on that. when it falls on uh <laughs> yeah. on a saturday yeah we gotta have a meeting on that but uh uh we wanted to be our first year we had four western teams and then you know it, it takes a little bit to get east to get eastern teams we, we we've been able to do that we've had uh we've had trinity Right? Who else have we had, Garves? Well, that was the first one. Was that the this first one? The third oh, year, I'm sorry. It's yeah, only so the third Trinity year. was the first so Eastern Trinity, team. To, I mean, this, so you hit a home run on the first yeah. one because that was a really good team. Yeah. And then we have we have Tufts coming out. So, like, we, you, we've been able – I coached in the in the NESCAC, so I have some relationships there. So I'm able okay. to kind of talk to those guys a little bit. Uh, and then, you know, next year is going to be Chatham. We're going out to play them this year. So it's going to – it start you know, and kudos to – to, to Nick for allowing me to have the chance to to reciprocate, you know, if it, to be able to go out and give it give a team a game or two to come back then to our uh, to our uh, tournament, you know, you, you can't just have people come out and and not enjoy it or, and and, yeah. and 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 not ever go out there yourself. Right. Like right. that yeah, that's you not fair. Yeah. You got to reciprocate. You at least. You know, maybe you could go out and play one team and play another team, and then you, you know, then for the next two years you have each team come out. So, right. so you're, yeah. so it's good in that regard, and it, you know, and it's allowed us to do that, and it's, you know, it's building. We we've had some pretty cool uh, guest speakers during it. Uh, the, the the coaches have gotten along. We have all three Western conferences represented in the Bethel has the Mayak, Marion has. Uh, the NCHA, and we have, uh, you know, we're in the WIAC. So uh, that's that's pretty cool. That's what we wanted to do, uh, you know, and, and I think we put on a pretty good show for, for the teams. You know, we have a little banquet and, and all that other stuff. So it's been uh, it's been good. There's room for growth, but I think for the first, uh, for going on its third year, I think it's been pretty uh, pretty successful. Marion must enjoy it. They, they keep, keep coming, coming back, back you know, <laughs> yeah. and, and Zach loves it. And he's he's always, you know, it, it it also helps, you know, two other coaches that, you know, they know they, they know they have two games. They don't have to go and find them like, you right. know, Bethel yeah. knows they can always come back. And, and you know, McKelvey's a great guy. I've known him from his time at, at West Point and, and for coaching Army hockey. So there's been a relationship there for a long time with him. Uh, you know, I, he's recruited players that I've coached in juniors. So like, we've had a good, we've had a good relationship there now that he's in Bethel. Like it's, you know, and it's good for Bethel. Like Bethel has a chance to play, you know, WIAC schools and Eastern schools and, and, and all that stuff. So it, 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 it helps our strength of schedule. It helps, you know, it, it helps, and it helps grow hockey, you know, because there's a lot of differences between 
how, let's say, the NCHA plays, how the MIAC plays, how the WIAC plays, and then you go out east, it's totally different. Certain yeah. teams play a totally different game. Right. So it, it, you know, it's it's fun on the coaching side because you got to prepare for for different styles, and you know, and it's fun for our guys too. Uh, they get to compete against different styles and different brands, and um, we want that to be one of the best, most sought after uh, tournaments in, in uh, Division Three college hockey. I thought it was pretty cool last year. I had a chance actually because uh, level of play has been good. I thought for the first two years of the tournament as well. You've gotten some good teams in. Talked about that. Marion keeps coming back, but they're usually a, a fairly good team, and they they put put on a good show when they've come here. Uh, um, good again this year too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that Trinity team was a lot of fun to watch, and I actually had some really interesting conversations with the parents from Trinity, and they were super appreciative of everything that went on that weekend, which was pretty cool. And that's a good message to take the, for them to take back to the yeah. East Coast on a Trinity team that is a high profile national program. Yeah. Like Trinity is. Yeah. You know that was. It was neat to be able to talk to them because they were so thankful for everything. Yeah, and they went out of their way even to come up to me, you know, because I was wearing uh, my UW Superior, some my UW Superior, you know, apparel, and they came up and they said, "You guys make sure it's Under Armour, right?" Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Right. Yeah, I'll get it from this. Shout out to our sponsors. There you go. (laughs) There you go. But uh, they made a big point of coming over and saying, "You guys have done a fantastic job. We really enjoyed it. It's been a lot of fun, Uh, you know." And they made a point of saying, "It's nice for us because it's nice to get away from these coasts for a while." You know, because they feel the same way, I think, that the Western teams. You know, we always play nothing but West, or we play nothing but East. They, they're like, this was really cool for us. This was like our big road trip, and all of our all of our guys, I think, enjoyed it. I know that my kid enjoyed it, you know, if it's one of the parents, and it, it was it was cool. It was, I thought it was a yeah. really well-put-together event, and hopefully it keeps going. Not every not every year you could get a chance to visit the land of the ice and snow. <laughs> <laughs> Do we cue uh, Led so, Zeppelin up I, right I now? I feel like we should have Led Zeppelin playing right now. Good Lord, that's funny. So you got time for a little rapid fire before we let you go? Sure, let's go, let's do this. All right, Rich, if you are not a coach, what are you? Stay at home, Dad. Love it. That's the first time we've heard that one. I love it. And be a stay at home, Dad. I I second that. It'd be pretty cool. Yep. I absolutely probably slash that. hockey trainer because <laughs> I got three boys. <laughs> <laughs> so you're building an outdoor rink. So, got yeah. it. I feel like we need to like take a list, like rem- like go back, play all the podcasts, and like make a list of the answers that each coach is. Oh, we've got yeah, like, teachers. We've got farmers. Yeah, farmers, broadcasters. Yeah, sports talk show hosts, and now a stay at home dad. And now a stay at home dad. So. <laughs> Well, they're in school too, so I'd have the mornings at least by myself. There you go. <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah, there is there is a little bit of method to this madness. Yeah, right? yeah. There's a lot of projects I need to get done around the house that <laughs> that coaching has kept me away from. So I probably wouldn't be able to do anything for a little bit at least. Rich's dream vacation is what? Fiji. No hesitation. Want to go surfing and hang out and and that's about as remote as it gets too. It's a long way from everything. Yes. <laughs> yes. So. That might be where I would live if I didn't do your stay-at-home dadding in, in Fiji. Fiji, surfing. So no outdoor rink, no, no outdoor rink. Now, no, now you're a surf trainer, but we'll see. Yeah, okay. We could yeah. travel. We could travel. Are you an experienced surfer? I've surfed a little bit in my time on the East Coast. Yeah. Okay. You see, that's that's one of those things. I feel like there's such a stereotypical view of surfing being only West Coast in Hawaii. Yeah, well, it's a lot different in the East Coast, and I am not a good surfer by any means. I'm talking; it's been like four times. Like, don't. But I think that would be something that I would 
I would definitely be way more interested in the extreme sports of snowboarding and surfing and all that stuff uh, if I wasn't into hockey so much. You know, and every now and then you get the Lake Superior surfers out here too when the gales <laughs> really crank up. So yeah. get the wetsuit, get a board. We'll get the cameras out there and we'll have we'll Coach McKenna surfing on drowning. Lake Superior. We'll, we'll also let the Coast Guard know you're coming. Yes, yes. please. <laughs> I'll have the buoy attached to me before I go out. So you're you're an East Coast guy. You're from New York City. What is the one New York City stereotype that is not true? Like, for example, oh, you're Canadian, so you have winter 364 days out of the year. What is the one New York City stereotype that is not true? I, I think East Coast has a very abrasive uh, stereotype to it. I would say there's probably more nice people than mean people out there, but the mean people are just really mean. So I, w- I would say there's more nice people. Okay. Oh. Follow-up, meaner people in New York or Philadelphia? Oh, well, I, I don't really want to get started with <laughs> Philadelphia. It, it's the... Uh, We've hit a nerve. It, yeah. <laughs> well, I actually had this conversation with my wife, uh, a, very, a lot more colorful conversation with my wife about Philadelphia. <laughs> I am not a fan of Philadelphia. I'm not a fan of their fans. I don't think it's a city of brotherly love whatsoever. Uh, I think it's, uh, it's pretty much the toilet bowl out there for me. But is it always sunny in Philadelphia? Uh, it's always humid. I'll tell you that. Oh, you missed that. <laughs> yeah, I know I got it, okay. but it is always humid. <laughs> and, and, you know what? Going back to your, to your point about how many people live on the East Coast, when you have a large population center, and you're talking about Boston is like the smallest city of that, like, Northeast grouping, and there are like over 5 million people. When you have that many people... You're going to have more of everything. Right. You're going to have more really nice people. And you're going to have more really, like, really buddy like well, types. You know, I mean, that's. And New England's a lot different than New York. Like, I'll, for, to quote Ghostbusters, the mayor in the movie Ghostbusters, it's every New Yorker's right to be miserable. <laughs> so we can, so like, so we can really take it to the next level. So I just think it gets, it gets a bad rap. <laughs> I've, I've been to New York. Um. The only reason why I wanted to get away from New York was because it was just very – I was very claustrophobic there. Had nothing to do with the people. I yeah, had no, nothing but great just... people I was there. But it was a very claustrophobic feeling. Maybe that's just because I was – spent all of my time in Manhattan. Yeah, that's Near a Central lot. Park. I mean, that, that was – I was there for five days and I was ready to come home. But it was mostly because of just the amount of noise and there was no quiet. No, I, there's, there's – The people were fine. I didn't have any problem with the people. You could do something every hour of every day and not do the same thing twice. It's a it's a pretty, you know, my dad my dad's retired NYPD. It's a pretty uh, it's a pretty crazy place to live, and like in in all honesty, a lot of New Yorkers really don't even embrace that side. It's the tourism and everything else that, and you know, it's it's a cool place to be from. I don't think I would ever go back to New York. Let's say it's just a really cool place to be from. I'm much more into the into space and yeah. and and woods and and the little nuts like I grew up in a in a community but my community was four blocks that was my community right, right? And, yeah. and whereas out here it's a we're way more spread out but it's we're all it's a community but it's a community so yeah. a little bit different okay well and you know one of the things that's been told to me about big cities and big city 
people who grow up in big cities and live in big cities. Um, and I didn't experience it as much in New York because I was just in Manhattan the whole time I was there. Um, but in London, when I visit London, the big cities, over 10 million people plus now we're talking yeah. about. They're really collections of small communities that yeah. all kind of run together. That's why you get things like Little Italy and you get... Oh, yeah. yeah Chinatown. I mean, yeah, and you Chinatown. get the Irish part of town, yeah, exactly. the Spanish part of town. And, all. and so there, it's a collection of neighborhoods that all run together and all becomes this huge city. And because I really experienced that in London when I was there. And I wouldn't mind doing that in New York as well. But, um, I mean, that's something that I learned as I went. Yeah. Not just, we dumped 18 million people on this island and we called it Manhattan and everybody just lives there now. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> and, like that's just, and there's this park in the middle called Central Park and that's it. And then you have four boroughs around that. Right. Like, yeah, exactly. It's so much bigger than just Manhattan. Like, right. Manhattan's really not that big. It's actually a pretty, I, you know, from working down there, my dad right. being. You know, my dad's born in the Bronx, and my mom's from out in Long Island toward uh, past Queens, which is actually, I'm more from Queens than New York, than Manhattan. Okay. Uh, and then we moved to the, a little bit to the, you know, we went, we moved from Queens to, to the, to the suburbs, I guess you could call it, right? But anything north of the Tappan Zee is, you know, was it, Jim Valvano, right? Yep. Anything north yep. of the Tappan Zee was Canada for us, right? <laughs> so, like, I got there, and I was like, this is, this is different. Like, all of a sudden, you had... A yard and it was like wow like i didn't realize how long it took to mow <laughs> to mow, mow, mow a yard you know yeah. and it was it, it's pretty wild and you know not have to lock up your bike and not to and worry about yeah stuff i mean a things- bumblebee is not actually a bee like, <laughs> 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 right you know or a, i'm sorry a hummingbird isn't actually a really big bee like, like right, we never yeah. saw any of that stuff growing up right in queens and then you get out there to the to the suburbs a little bit, and it was kind of, kind of wild. Well, an upstate is completely different altogether. Too. Yeah, like upstate. I mean, New York's a beautiful state; it has a little bit of everything, but it's just a great place to be from. Period. Yeah, like. Period. What makes the pizza so good? Well, it's the, it's the water. The one thing I, I <laughs> the one thing I will say. We've had conversations about this. We've had, we've had, we've had multiple conversations about this. The food. Is. World class. World class. Better than any. I haven't been necessarily to California. I don't know what it's like, but from my experience, nowhere is better better than the East Coast for food. Period. Everything's better. I, uh, the only place that I've heard of that. Just my opinion. That compares, and this is a coast city, is New Orleans. And that's because it's so unique. Because New York, you know, New Orleans cuisine is is very unique, but so is New York. Yeah. It's the the water is. The bagels, the pizza, it's just unbelievable. Having like, a Manhattan, one of my favorite cocktails is named after Manhattan. And it actually is a Manhattan. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it, you know. Yeah, that's a bit high class for me. <laughs> How, what did that run you, like 13 bucks for one of those? I grew 14? up with those. My, fam- my parents both drank them when I was growing up, so that's where that came from. But um, um, New York has had such a, an influence, I think, on just multiple fronts. I mean. Yeah. You know, we hear about, you know, the stock exchange and all this other kind of stuff, the economic center, um, how much business is done there. But really culturally, New York is kind of unique in its own way. Because oh, it's it really so was, diverse. It was, it was the home base for immigration yep. to this country for, what, 150 years? Right. You know, now it's not quite that way anymore because of, you know, global travel and all this kind of other kind of stuff. I mean, Ellis Island and, you know, Lady yeah, Liberty and all of this. It's and, a pretty cool place to visit. There, I mean... Even just the museums, the Museum of Natural History, the the the, the fine art, like it's just the, there's something. If you're into something, like you can find it there. It's just the, and it's you could find a lot of it. 
like so it's a pretty cool place but i'm happy to be here it's uh i like my my small town usa kind of feel that we have out here i think it's a great place to raise kids and and it's uh, it's been really good well i've got one follow-up question here guys i hope you don't mind if i nope. step on your toes a little bit here what is your favorite new york dish that is uniquely new york like what's your favorite meal that is uniquely new york Oh, I just the I'm I'm a big uh, I'm a big Italian food guy. Okay. So just the Italian food in general out there, it's just okay. different. The 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 sauces are different, and you know I married an Italian girl, and her uh, her noni's meatballs are the best meatballs I've ever had. Like it's just unbelievable, and it's right. just it, it's the 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 one thing i you can I, I would also say about out there is even grocery shopping you can get ingredients out there that like if my wife had to make makes those meatballs like she goes and orders stuff online to get shipped to our house right. cuz like you have to so just the the, right. the italian food out there is just it's exquisite you're getting way too hungry now <laughs> way too hungry last one it's november the month for thanksgiving what's the best part of thanksgiving dinner in my time now of being a dad, I've been a dad, I have three boys, been a dad for six years now total, right? My oldest is six. My wife and I have lived a lot of places. The best part about Thanksgiving dinner is one, opening up our home, because we have guys that can't go home, so they come to our house. But two, is saying what we're actually thankful for. That was a... Uh, that was a uh, a tradition we wanted to start within our family, and it's now that uh, my boys are a little bit older, uh, and like and like my wife and I have changed and grown and, and all that stuff. Seeing what where we've come from to where we are now, and what we're and to hear what people are thankful for, I think has been a pretty cool tradition that we've started. Obviously, the food. Obviously, falling asleep and waking back up like that. That's and a, eating again. And eating again. That's a given. <laughs> Like, but it, it it's that one part before we break bread that you know I get to hear why, you know, some pretty cool stories with guys from the team or whatever uh, of what they're thankful for. It's pretty cool. He's Yellow Jacket head men's hockey coach Rich McKenna. Nice job, your first time on the Eye of the Swarm, and I guess we'll be doing another version of this, except much shorter, Friday evening. Thanks, coach. Okay, take care. Thank you. We'll Looking take forward a, to it. We'll take a break, and we'll come back with more of the Eye of the Swarm right after this. Sports broadcasts on 91.3 FM are made possible in part by Donji's East End Tavern, located in the heart of Superior's East End and a proud sponsor of Yellow Jacket Athletics. Ken Mertz and Mertz Rookie Insurance, a full-service agency with more than 35 years of experience offering all lines of personal and commercial insurance. 866-378-4936, online at MertzRookieInsurance.com. Burnix, local distributors of Pepsi and proud supporters of UW-Superior. And by Northwest Outlet, family-owned and operated for more than 60 years, offering a full line of sporting goods, footwear, clothing, and outerwear. 1814 Belknap and Superior or at northwestoutlet.com. We're back on the Eye of the Swarm, and uh, we, we had a lot to talk about in our opening segment. We had a lot to talk about with, with Coach McKenna, finding out that apparently he'd be more than happy to just live in Fiji and surf. Didn't expect I did, didn't expect that coming, but okay. I did not either. I, <laughs> I, I did not 
think that he was going to try to become Arnold Schwarzenegger from uh, Twins. <laughs> Where he's off uh, living the life of just him and whoever on some uh, island. That's funny. You know, maybe reading books, maybe not in Rich's case, I don't know. But, uh, yeah, living off the land, shall we say, and uh, absorbing as much vitamin D as he can. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, I, I don't know. I like I was not expecting that response. Nope, and unfortunately for him, he is still a hockey coach, and uh, he's going to be one of several coaches in action this week as there's – there's a lot going on here at UW-Superior, yeah. both at home and away, playoff games, tournaments, season openers. There's a lot happening. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll try to explain this as best we can because some of it is a little bit confusing, but we'll go through it anyway. Uh, men's soccer, as we talked about, they are in action tomorrow. That'll be a game, actually, that I will have on the radio. By the way, uh, scheduling note here for everybody, 2.30 uh, p.m. will be the opening kick there if somebody is interested instead of 4.30 p.m. Of course, this podcast won't come out until Thursday, so it'll be kind of academic, but yes, uh, 4.30 p.m. was the original start. They've actually moved the time up, which is kind of interesting, uh, mostly because of... We're not diving into that whole we're thing. Not, yeah, that's a, that's a whole other uh, uh, ball of wax. But anyway, Yellow Jackets will be hosting Martin Luther at 2.30 p.m. on Wednesday at the NBC Spartan Sports Complex. That's the UMAC tournament semifinal round. Nor- Martin Luther defeated Northland in the playing game 3-1 to one on Monday, so the Jackets will be ho- taking on Martin Luther for the second time. In 2019, if the Yellow Jackets win, they will host the UMAC Tournament Championship on Saturday against the winner of the other semifinal. That will be played between St. Scholastica and Bethany Lutheran. Game time to be announced on UWSYellowJackets.com, and that's about as clear as I can make it. 1 o'clock. Is it going to be 1 o'clock? It's a 1 o'clock game. Okay, it will be a 1 o'clock opening kick, which means I'll be doing double duty that day. But anyway. Potentially. Potentially, yeah. It could be. We have to find out, of course, about basketball. But Right. Uh, it'll be a 1 o'clock opening kick there between the Yellow Jackets and whomever, should they win. The winner between St. Scholastic and Bethany Lutheran. So there's a lot of what ifs in there. But right. uh, again, to find out all of the latest information, you know, stay tuned to U- U- UWSYellowJackets.com. Women's soccer, meanwhile, on the road on Wednesday in the UMAC tournament semifinals of their tournament. They'll be taking on Northwestern. If the Yellow Jackets win that contest, they'll take on the winner of Martin Luther and St. Scholastica in the other UMAC semifinal matchup in the UMAC championship on Saturday at a site to be determined. There's a lot of what ifs in that scenario. If Martin Luther wins and the Jackets win, they'll host. The Jackets will host. Yep. If St. Scholastica wins, they'll host regardless. And, of course, if Martin Luther wins or Northwestern wins, Northwestern will host. Right. So there's a lot up in the air on that one. But uh, that's a 5 p.m., I think, isn't it? Been moved up to 4. It's been moved up to 4. It was yeah. at f- 5. It was no, at 5. Now it's okay, at 4. Now it's up to 4. Yep. Again, keep an eye on UWSYellowJackets.com to find out all the latest on that one because there's a lot of what-ifs in all of these scenarios. That's the problem. With conference tournaments, it's fun, but it <laughs> opens up some interesting right. some interesting possibilities. Uh, women's volleyball on the road as well at Northwestern on Wednesday night in the UMAC tournament semifinals. That will be at 7 p.m. at the Erickson Center. Opening serve there between the Yellow Jackets and Eagles. Second time those two teams will have met up this year. If the Yellow Jackets win, they'll play at the winner of the other tournament semifinal. St. Scholastica's on the road taking on Morris. That would be a heck of a match. Just be a really good one, yeah. Yeah, that'll be a good one. And the other semifinal on Saturday at a site, again, to be determined. So, again, for the third time in a row, consult UWSYellowJackets.com for more details. You could have just said that once at the end. Yeah. I could have just Sort of like save your applause to the end. You could have just said yeah, that Yeah, I could have just end. said that. I but just I, that's that. okay. Yeah, exactly. Men's Women's Cross Country, they're off this yep. weekend. So, I hope they get their legs, uh, batteries recharged because they won't be in action again until November 16th at the NCAA Division Three Central Regional Championships in Waverly, Iowa. So they're off for the coming week. Women's hockey gets a step up. 
in terms of their opponent for the week. The Hamlin Pipers. Yep. Hosting the Yellow Jackets on Friday, the 8th, 5 p.m., the opening faceoff. Jackets and the Pipers. They played twice last year. Is that right? Correct. And the Pipers, I think, went all the way to the, the national title game, didn't they? Uh, not last year, the year before the they year did. The year before they did? Yeah, okay, with the Frozen did. Four, I mm-hmm. think. Two years in a row. Yep. Two years in a row. So a really, really good test for the Yellow Jackets taking on a national power in Hamlin. Yep. 5 p.m., the opening faceoff there. That'll be a Tria rink in St. Paul. Otherwise known as the home ice of Hamlin hockey, I believe. Is Tria, isn't it? Is it for both of teams, I think? Yeah, they both, yeah, they both play yeah. out of there now. Men's basketball getting underway for the first time officially this weekend at the dandy of a tournament known as the Merrill Thompson Tip-Off Classic. They'll kick things off Friday. Sponsored by National Bank of Commerce. Sponsored by National Bank of Commerce. Thank <laughs> you very much. Friday the 8th, they'll be taking on Marion. That'll be game two, actually, of the tournament. The first game, St. John's and Nebraska Wesleyan, is the one that is highly anticipated by everybody that knows anything about college basketball. That game at 6 and then the men will be taking on Marion at 8 p.m. That'll be a digital delay broadcast featuring yours truly, by the way. And I, I think that'll come on, what, probably about 9? Is that what we're thinking? Oh, you're probably looking at about 9.30. Yeah, 9.30, something like that. And so the Yellow Jackets and the Sabres. And then depending upon how they do, they'll be playing either at 3 or 5 p.m. on Saturday against the winner or loser of Nebraska Wesleyan and St. John's. Again, the game time there, 3 or 5 p.m. And... Guess what, where you're supposed to go to find out? Uh, UWSLJacks.com. Good job, John. Good job. Good job. Women's basketball, a little more straightforward. They're uh, opening up their season at UW Stout on Friday as well. 5.30 p.m., the opening tip there. Against Blue Devils at Johnson Fieldhouse down in Menominee. They'll be back home on Monday taking on Augsburg, the lone team to beat them in non-conference last year. Mm-hmm. And that'll be my first broadcast with them. That'll be a live broadcast, 7 p.m., the opening tip against the Augies at the Mertz, 6.45, the pregame show. And so I'm looking forward to seeing what the women have up their sleeve after seeing the men all weekend. Right. And then, of course, men's hockey. You just heard Coach Rich McKenna talk about it in the previous segment. Opening up their season this weekend, a couple of non-conference tilts for the Yellow Jackets. They open up on Friday the 8th against St. Mary, 7 p.m., the opening faceoff. Mr. Garber across the way from me here. Be on the pregame about 6.40 or so that night. Yep. And then following up, same story against St. Olaf the next night. Different opponent, same uh, schedule. 7 p.m., the opening faceoff, 6.40, the pregame. And I know you're really looking forward to that. So Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to jump back into it with that group. And, you know, it's it, it provides an interesting test because you're playing two teams that beat you a year ago. Yeah. Um, you know, same, we talked with Coach McKenna about the bottoming out, hitting rock bottom, and that was kind of that St. Thomas game. But... They were greasing the skids for that against Olaf and the uh, Marys. When they well in the St. Mary's series because that was the last one before the break, and they went down there and got horribly outplayed on Friday. And if AJ Smith doesn't make forty saves, and as Coach McKenna said in the pregame interview, we were just lucky because the best player in the country last night was our goalie. Right. If he doesn't play the way he does, they get swept that weekend down there because when they came out on Saturday, they were even worse than they were on Friday. <laughs> and St. Mary's scored yeah. scored three goals on Oscar in the first period. Oscar gets pulled, and it, the train never got on the track that day. So it's going to be an interesting test to see against that team, against the St. Olaf team that came in here and fought back from being down two goals and beat the Yellow Jackets in overtime, how, how the Jackets are going to stack up against these teams. Which I mean, it's, it's tough because it's two different seasons, right, yeah. two different teams. They both have brand-new coaches now. So it's it's going to be kind of interesting just to see how all of it plays out for them on opening weekend. Yeah, yeah, and I, that's how I feel about men's basketball too. Seeing them this weekend, um, I'm excited to see what they have. Um, I think that that game against Marion is going to be a fun one. It's, it should be 
quite possibly very winnable, depending upon how things are going. Of course, with Marion, I don't know what Marion has. Right. Um, but that game on Saturday is going to be a real, regardless of who it is, it's going to be a real kind of, uh, it's going to be a real uh, uh, measuring stick, shall we say, to see where the team is at this early in the year. And you can't get too far ahead of yourself because there's a lot of rust uh, for everybody on the winter side of things. But, uh, yeah, I'll be interested to see how they respond. First of all, playing Marion on a Friday and then coming right around the next day and having to play a top 15 opponent regardless. A top five opponent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Depending on what poll you go by, yeah, right. absolutely. I think you, you could have a top five in there. I think uh, the D3hoops.com poll came on. I think they had Wesleyan at number seven and they had St. John's at 12. But I looked up those two teams – and both those teams are bringing back a lot of players. Yeah. So you're talking about some seriously – you got powerhouses Yeah, here. these are powerhouse teams. Yeah. These are not just programs that have been good and now are rebuilding. These are programs with a lot of returners, you're guys right. that have won a lot of games in their career. So it's going to be a fun one. I'm it's, looking forward to the weekend. It's going to be yeah, fun. It's going to be a lot of fun on fun on the basketball side, fun on the hockey side, fun on the soccer side. There's going to be all kinds yeah. of good stuff going yeah. on here. Yeah, so exactly. it was uh, – Chock full of information this podcast was, and next week promises to be the same thing. Yep, yep, a lot to talk about. Until next week, he's our engineer, Elliot Swear. He's the big sound, the birthday boy, Matt Johnson. I'm John Garver. Thank you for listening to The Eye of the Swarm.